Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. Of course, here up and down the front range throughout Colorado, Colorado Springs, Cheyenne, Wyoming, it is a live broadcast. So give me a call, 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand three zero three six nine zero three thousand. If you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM or another um, another FM radio station somewhere, you're hearing it a one week delay. Um, but in that delay, um, all that really means is that you can call and join me on the air. And then you'll get to hear your question on your radio station next week. So we're one week delayed on Hope FM and Truth FM. But I know a lot of people are listening. We've gotten especially an interesting amount of feedback from Hope FM lately. Uh, And so you can always contact us. Uh, You can contact us through our website at gracefm.com if you want to talk to us directly, or you can contact your local uh, Hope FM or Truth FM or whatever station you're listening on. Uh, And to me, if you want to get a hold of me directly, uh, go to my website, edtaylor.org. You got to be .org. Don't go to .com because Santa Claus, Ed Taylor, a.k.a. Santa Claus, the guy is making bank. Let me just tell you, he's making bank. I think it was, I forget the prices, uh, but with with uh, COVID, he's doing virtual visits with kids uh, in a Santa Claus suit, and he's making bank. So maybe we'll dress up like Santa Claus. No, I'm just kidding. 303-690-3000. Text me 720-336-0897. And this is the show where we take your calls and questions. We talk about life, things pertaining to life and godliness that the Holy Spirit would minister to us and speak life to us uh, and you know, give us great insight on what he wants to accomplish in our lives. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text me, 720-336-3000. 0897. We are back in our study of First Peter tonight. Such an appropriate book for the times in which we live. Uh, it is a book about enduring suffering as a believer, especially from within the governmental system overruled by Nero himself. Uh, it is encouragement. We're dealing with Here's the thing. You want to know what the Bible has to say about the times in which we live? Uh, we, we need to listen to the Bible, not to pastors. Pastors aren't the final word. The Bible's the final word. 
And here's the text that we're going to be looking at. You can just read ahead. Uh, it's in Second, excuse me, First Peter chapter two. Uh, we're looking at the section in verse thirteen. First Peter two thirteen. Here's what it says. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors, or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And we're going to unpack that section uh, as long as well as the paragraph afterwards today. We meet at 7 o'clock, and I think that our responsibility in a time like this is different than what is the popular narrative today. And I think we need to come back to a biblical understanding of submission, of submitting to the government. And of course, there will be, and we've got to be, we've got to handle the Bible correctly. There will be that teaching where we talk about obeying God rather than man. But there's some nuance to that. Obeying God rather than man doesn't necessarily um, mean what some people think it means. And so you'll be able to unpack it, let the Holy Spirit speak to you uh, and minister to you um, as we handle... When you go through the Bible verse by verse like we do here at Calvary and many other churches, uh, you're going to deal with the issues of life um, as the Holy Spirit will bring them out into our lives. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll be here at 7 o'clock. Um, downstairs is open now, so Resurrection Coffee is open. The books, Calvary Books is open. Uh, we can You can fellowship downstairs and sit with the... We have distancing and we have uh, extra cleaning measures, uh, so we're doing the best that we can to mitigate some of the risks. But as you know, in Colorado... Um, the um, restrictions upon churches were lifted with, with the exception of face coverings. Face coverings was extended all the way through the end of March, I think, late recently, uh, and we are following that. Of course, you could take it off while you're drinking your coffee, or, um, but while you're on the property, we request. And it's really not um, a heavy request. It's like training for the Holy Spirit to teach us um, how... Um, I, you know, okay, so, um, you know, the, depending on which way you go, uh, you can make COVID sound like it's really insignificant, or you can make, you can cause it like with government overreach, make it more than it is. Uh, but who knows where it is, right? Except for the families enduring the pain and suffering that comes from COVID related illnesses. So I was right before I came into the uh, studio today, um, this young girl kept coming up after service. She'd sit in the sanctuary with her parents, and then she'd come up after service and say, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, uh, I want you to come visit me in the classroom because she comes to the school here. And so this last week, I think it was her second or third request, and she came up and she said, you know, you haven't been down to my classroom. And I said, I know. She says, well, come down on Monday. And I said, no, I can't. It's my day off. I'm not really around on Mondays. Well, how about Tuesday? well, Tuesday's an administrative day. I'm not usually in. I said, but I'll make an effort to go on Wednesday um, because I'm in the office on Wednesday all day until service. And so I went down, walked through most of the classrooms, not all of them, but most of them. 
and a young man. As I was leaving, uh, he came up to me and said, Pastor Ed, would you pray for my grandma? And I said, sure, why are we, why are we praying for your grandma? And uh, he said, because he, uh, my grandma uh, recently, um, and my grandpa recently died uh, from COVID complications. So he had other medical conditions that COVID exacerbated. And he was probably, that class was probably seventh grade, sixth grade. So like, you know, he knew what he was talking about at that such a young age. And, and so the kids were all doing something because it was almost um, time for them to go out. Um, what do they call it? Dismissal. And um, as I was praying, the class got silent. We all joined together in prayer. I laid hands on him, prayed for his grandma, who's mourning the loss of her husband. And the challenging medical conditions he had were exacerbated by COVID. So, you know, we do uh, take it seriously or to the best of our ability, and we do what we can uh, to mitigate um, the risks. We can't remove the risk. We never... Uh, suggest we can. We never commit that we can. We can't remove the risk, but we can clean extra hard and we can have reasonable distancing and we can wear face coverings uh, until that day where we're like, okay, all right, let's move. Let's move forward one more step. Move forward one more step. So you can come out tonight. Uh, we'll be here. Doors open 630 or so. And uh, we'll be down. You you you're still open. You know you're still coming in upstairs for now. Um, eventually that's going to change too. Um, but you have freedom to go down to the cof- to the to Resurrection Coffee, get a cup of coffee, uh, get a latte, whatever you want. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Brighton, Colorado. Patrick, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. I uh, I was called to. Um have a prayer request for me. Me and my long-term girlfriend broke up. She just kind of dropped me and ghosted me uh, six months ago. And I, uh, I seen her on the 25th to try to get closure. And uh, she said, if uh, you want to commit suicide, she said she'd help me, mm-hmm. which broke my heart. And then mm-hmm. we talked for a while, and she said, just let it play out. I pray for her every day. I pray Thank for you. everybody. That's good. I go to a... Re- um, Redemption Calvary out yes. there in uh, 120th with Pastor Cody, and oh, I was just wanting a prayer. I'm okay. just having, a, I'm having a tough time. Let's pray right now, Father. I pray for my brother Patrick and the the depth of pain that he's experiencing, even grief of a broken relationship, and having to endure some very hurtful words, um, hurtful thoughts. God, I pray you'd guard. Your word says to be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication that we're to make our requests be made known to you, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we just, we claim that verse today. We claim that truth as our own. I claim it in my life with what, what I'm thinking about, and I claim it for Patrick as we, we just hold on to your promises. You said if we did this, you would. And so we're following through, asking for that peace that passes all understanding, to be a guard, to, to be a fortress, around our heart and mind, and I pray that into Patrick's life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. I'm, I'm waiting for the, the joy in that to come back. Yes, sir. It, you know, it's going to—don't be too impatient with that. It's going to take some time, and, right. you know, I, I don't know when God's going to start to lift the cloud, if He hasn't already, but it, it usually will take time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been trying to be patient with it. I've when it happened, I left and drove off to the East Coast and visited family and friends, and I'm grateful that I had the resources to do that. You know, and, I want to uh, I want to paint a picture for you so you so the enemy won't mess with your head. You know, if you had a broken arm, we'd tell you it takes six weeks to heal, and you'd say, "Okay, sure, put a cast on it, and I'll wait it out." Um, well, you have a broken heart, and I don't know how long it's going to take to heal, but it's going to take time to heal. And and you, just like a broken arm, you're like, "Yep, I understand." Um, with a broken heart, um, it's going to take some time, and I know the Lord's going to give you strength. Well, thank you, Pastor Ed. I, I certainly hope so. I was just he will going. Going good, and then I have rough days, and I've been having them. So I'm, I'm grateful for the prayers. I'm grateful for the TV station. I'm grateful for the Calvary group. It's a great group. Well, bless you, brother. Bless you too, Pastor Ed. Bye bye. Hey, we got wide open lines 303 690 3000. Wide open if you ever want to be on the show or you try to get in with a busy signal. Try now 303 690 3000. You can always text me. I'm going to take a text question here in a moment. 720-336-0897. Uh, go ahead and put that number in your phone. You can use it anywhere. If you're listening on Truth FM, Hope FM, you can just say, hey, Siri, call uh, Calvary Live, and Siri will do it for you. Um, I don't know how the Google phones work, but however the Google phones work, just tell it, and you it'll do it automatically for you, whether you're driving or sitting. And um, you, could put the, you can also put the text line in. Um, they're different, so make sure you got them in the right order. The phone number to be on the air, 303-690-3000, works anywhere in the country. Uh, text number is different. It's only for texting and prayer requests. You can send questions and prayer requests, 720-336-0897. I was told by someone that Calvary Church teaching the rapture sets me up to worship the Antichrist. They also added that Christ comes only after the tribulation. Can you please give me all the scriptures that pertain to the rapture? Thank you and blessings. Well, I don't know the full reason why your someone friend uh, told you that, but I, I hope that our teaching of the Bible is not setting you up to worship the Antichrist. I hope you can tell the difference uh, between worshiping God and idolatry worshiping God and the Antichrist, like worship is not something you do against your will, right? You're, so you're not going to be tricked. I mean, there is a strong delusion coming, but that's for those that are not walking and abiding in Christ. For those that are abiding in Christ, have a r- real relationship with Him, you will, you, you will not choose to worship the, the Antichrist. Somebody actually asked, answered, asked me this yesterday in a different way. And it was a similar question in terms of taking the mark of the beast. And I said, I answered that question that nobody will take the mark of the beast biblically against their will. They will ask for it, they will understand it, and they will pledge their allegiance to the Antichrist. And so the question that was is, well, will if believers take the mark, will they? uh, What will happen to them? And I said, well, if a believer took the mark according to the scriptures. Um, I don't think that can. I don't think that's possible. So a person taking the mark would reveal that they're not a believer, because a true believer has the indwelling Holy Spirit in them. Now I have to say though, I've seen believers do some really bad, wicked stuff, uh, just nasty stuff. But 
Uh, I think when it comes to the mark of the beast, um, that nasty stuff could very well, too, just indicate that the person wasn't saved to begin with, that they're not real believers. Real believers don't act like that. Real believers don't post stuff like that on, uh, on social media. Real, real believers aren't nasty like that. And it could just be a revelation of a lack of a relationship with God. I don't know. But uh, I, I want, so I'm going to text you back as well. But email me and I will send you all the information that you could possibly look at on the topic of the rapture. And you will be able to see the biblical underpinnings of this doctrine. So I will respond to this either at the end of the show or during the break and give you my email address. It's ed at edtaylor.org. has to be .org. Don't email Santa Claus. It's not .com. It's .org. Ed at edtaylor.org. And I just ask for the rapture info, and I'll respond to that email with more information to keep you busy for a long time. Uh, I do not teach the doctrine of the rapture of the church because it's the family of churches I'm a part of, because um, my pastor taught it, or Pastor Chuck Smith taught it, or uh, any of the reasons that people will bring up. I teach it because I've studied the scriptures, and this is where I conclude. I And I understand that people conclude at a different place, and... True believers can disagree on this, <clears throat> but I know I'm firmly convinced in, as a matter of fact, this is going to put me over the edge. I'm going to finally, I'm just going to write the pamphlet, 12 reasons why I believe in the rapture. I'm already, I, I, it's been on my mind for a while. I just got to sit down and knock it out uh, it, and it'll be thorough uh, and substantiated with scripture. Um, you know, maybe even, um, maybe I'll have 13 reasons. I don't know, but. Um, until then, email me, <clears throat> ed at edtaylor.org, and I will send you um, enough links to keep you busy for a while. All right, we're going to go up to Windsor, Colorado. Amy, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I was just curious if you do a prayer request for me. Sure. Um, I have lost my to lose I quit one of my jobs. I've been working two jobs for three years, and I just, I've been tired and worn out and want to be more of my family, and it's going to take a financial hit on us, and I just can't do it anymore. I was just hoping you could pray for me for it. Yeah, I can. Father, I pray for my sister Amy that you would provide for the needs of her home according to your riches in Christ Jesus, and she's tired, and it's been challenging working two jobs and taking care of her home. And you know the rest that she needs, you know the relief that she needs, and you know the resources that she needs. And so we lift these before you, God. Your word says that we can come into the very throne room of grace to find help in time of need. And my sister needs help, she needs direction, and she needs one job that could do the work of the two that she was working. And I pray for that. I pray that she would find the one job, maybe even the one she has would give her a raise that you would show her favor uh, with her current boss. But I pray that you would provide, God, not only for her financial needs, but also for her physical needs as she's tired. And with tiredness comes all kinds of other stuff, Lord. So encourage her, uh, especially in her discouragement, um, and lift her up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
All right, 303-690-3000. I think, I think there's a lot more people uh, like our sister that's listening that you're, it's just overwhelming. So it's just, it's just overwhelming. There's no other way to put it. 303-690-3000. We're going to go now to our next caller. Our next caller is still being screened, I think. So, oh, there he is. Jeremy in Denver, welcome to the program. Hey, Ed, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. <clears throat> I had a question about the story of Samson. Okay. And I believe it's in chapter 14. Yes. And as I'm reading it, like, I kind of know the story of Samson. Like, he uh, falls from the choices he's made. And when I'm reading it, I'm thinking, oh, this is all because he was unequally yoked to the Philistine woman. And in chapter 14, it says, hey, um, he's talking to his parents, hey, go out and find me a Philistine woman. Sure. Um, and his parents, you know, reject not rejected that, but they had some hesitation. Um, but it, in parentheses, it says, they did not know that this was from the Lord. And I, I guess, can you explain that portion, because sure. on the surface, we all know that it's he shouldn't be unequally yoked with this Philistine woman. Yes. He should be married to a Jewish woman. We know that's wrong. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Jesus is saying he wanted this to happen because he had an ulterior motive in the end. Well, I think that, I think that the, one of the ways to answer this question is to understand perspective. Uh, when you and I have a perspective, we see it as one thing, and when God has a perspective, He sees it as it is. And so one of the ways to look at that particular passage is that everything is Father-filtered. God allowed Samson to make really bad decisions that he in turn was going to turn out to use in defeating the Philistines, because the ultimate goal of God was to wipe out the Philistines in the sense that he wanted to raise up a new, he wanted to raise up a new uh, nation in in Israel. So when you the the parent that, that can also be a uh, an idiomatic phrase where the parents don't know how God is how this whole story is going to unfold, how God is going to use it, or like Genesis and Genesis fifty twenty as Joseph is going through all of his events. At the end of the day, he says, "God sent me here." God, it was God's will for me to be here. Now the circuitous path that he that that he ends up taking, God redeems all the sinful decisions of people that were made against him. Whatever Joseph uh, went through, I mean, there's no mention of sin in his life, but we know he wasn't sinless. The Bible doesn't say anything, but we know he was born in sin. But at the end of his life, he was able to look back and go, "God sent me here." And for us in the new covenant, you know, we have we have also the the sense that. God is working all things together for the good for those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. So when, you, when you're seeing that phrase there, I think the reality of what's being described is that not God is not, gonna, not, not orchestrating all the sinful, hor horrible decisions. He, what, he's, what, what I think is being described there is his, his parents didn't know what was going to take place with this particular decision. Uh, they didn't yet know. They didn't understand. I mean, just like you and I don't yet know how situations are going to turn out in our lives. 
um, because we're living in in real time. God's outside of time. He sees the whole picture. And I think in the description for us, um, in the description for us, and let me, do you have the reference open real quick so I can just read it real quick? Is it? On my phone, I don't actually. Okay, hold on a minute. I think Kevin put it in my, so it's Judges 14, 4. So let me just look. Um, In Judges, it says, uh, uh, Samson said to his father, go get her for me. She pleases me. Uh, But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So what what that could, another thing that that could mean, because we already know the end game is to take out the Philistines, is is that through this whole bad decision of Samson, God's going to use it to destroy the Philistines. Like he's allowed it. He's allowed Samson to make these decisions like you and I do, and he's ultimately going to redeem them. And at this point, his mom and dad have no idea what God's doing. Very similar to Job. Job had no idea what was happening in the spiritual realm um, as he was living it out in the physical realm. Gotcha. Okay, that helps explain it. And I, I think that uh, I thought one of the ways that you were going to go on this question from the call screen was, you know, how how is it that Samson can make all these bad decisions and still seem to be used by God, um, which is a similar question. But um, obviously we're all, uh, God uses us all, and we, we get used for his purposes all the same way, by grace. Because the difference between you and me is just to the degree of sinfulness in our lives. Like, God may, today I have a bad day, God's very gracious with me. You have a good day, you don't need that much grace. But tomorrow I have a better day, and you have a horrible day. We're both in a place of needing the grace of God. It's just to the degree of how much, and Samson needed an abundance of grace. God was very merciful with him, but because God uses someone, you know, back on that unequally yoked situation, just because God uses someone doesn't mean he approves of their sin. Okay. So I add that for those that might be asking, because that's a common question. Like, like I got I got a question last week, very similar, where, well, wait a minute, you know, if people can get away and be blessed while they're rebelling and sinning against God, then we can just make any decision to rebel and sin against God. And of course, the answer to that is no, that's not true. We're getting the after the after the fact uh, descriptions. Um, the the commands are before the fact, and they take precedent over the examples, right? Because God says the examples in the Old Testament were for our admonition. They were to warn us in our present condition. So maybe someone out there is listening, and that's a, that's a part on your thought where, you know what, should I just sin so grace may abound? And Paul said, certainly not. We don't make those kind of decisions. We learn from the past. Well, well you look at David, he was blessed because uh, he had uh, multiple wives and um, no, no, no. Read David's story very carefully, and you'll see he s- suffered the consequences of his sin all the way to the end, till he died. He paid the price. Very difficult. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. So quickly do we come up on the, um, on the program uh, to the second half. I just want to put give a shout out to Anthony. Uh, you on Hope FM. I, I did read your email. I responded to it. And I just want to give you a shout out. It's a very 
uh, blessing, big blessing to be a small part of your life, what God's doing, uh, the victory that you're experiencing in your life. And if you email me, you email us, we do read them all, and I do share them. Uh, so I actually sent Anthony's note out to Kevin, our producer. I sent it out to, uh, he mentioned Nick, he mentioned Jeff, so I sent it to them. <clears throat> and I sent it to Pastor Bill, uh, who is the architect, humanly, of the Hope FM radio network. The guy's a genius. He's a walking genius. He has a portion of my brains in him. Um, because I got a small portion and he got a big portion. Uh, but I shared it with Bill too. So email me, ed at edtaylor.org. We'll be right back. We had a quick, quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone. My name is Ed Taylor, pastor here at Calvary Chapel. Well, formerly known as Calvary Chapel. We're still Calvary Chapel at heart. Of course we are. We changed the name a couple years ago to Calvary Church, uh, and a lot of people thought we left the philosophy of ministry behind. We did not. There was a couple reasons for our name change, but we're grateful for it. We are a church. We believe in Calvary. I was saved at a Calvary Chapel in Downey, California. I was discipled there and moved here to Colorado 21 years ago. Uh, in July, it'll be 22 years ago. Uh, believing God called us here to plant a church. Imagine that, that you would think such a thing. Um, but I did. I believed it was from the Lord. Uh, my wife and my children supported it, that we all believed together. It was a decision we made together and um, here we are 21 years later. Uh, certainly grateful for God's faithfulness. Uh, it's been a great 21 years, a lot of great memories, but it's also been a very hard 21 years, and a lot of pain in Colorado for the Taylor family uh, and for many families. Um, we've all been touched by pain. It's one of the, it's one of the universal languages like music. Um, music is universal, but so is pain. And uh, it reminds me, uh, we finally finished the book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. <clears throat> and it's a book that was written, you know, birthed in pain, birthed in grief, um, but put together for healing, to get our eyes back on the Lord. And uh, you can get, you can pick up a copy. I'd encourage you. I'd, it'd be a great gift to give to someone that's discouraged, to give to someone that's grieving, to give to someone that's hurting. And you can go to our, you can get it directly from our store, um, which is an extension of our bookstore here at the church, calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And if you're in the local area, you can actually save on the shipping and just say, I'll pick it up. And Morgan or whoever's downstairs uh, can get it for you uh, after they process the order. So um, it's God's help for the troubled heart. It's been, it's doing exceedingly well um, I'm, I'm surprised by how well it's doing. Um, just, you know, grateful to be used by the Lord, quite frankly, and a lot of hard work, a lot of warfare surrounding that book, um, which is always an indication that God's ready to use it. Uh, and it's a story of God's faithfulness. It's a story of God's goodness. It's a story of God weaving together 
uh, his faithful work in the lives of real people like Hannah, um, like Paul. Um, you know, I, I didn't study pain and suffering to the degree I did after, until after my son passed away. And then I, I, my eyes were open to the hurt. I, and it, it's one of those things, maybe you felt that way too. Um, like I, I was always compassionate, I think. I was always connected to the hurting. I love past, the pastoral part of ministry, but I didn't see it the way I do now. You know, it took pain uh, to really reveal to me um, the reality of of pain and walking in it with someone and seeing it from their shoes. You know, I'll give you a great example, and then we'll get back to the phone lines. For many, many years, and maybe your pastor does too, and I did, um, teaching through teaching through the uh, you know teaching through something, maybe talking, get wanting to get a laugh, you know, because uh, laughter is important in a Bible study. Um, just for the sake of lightening up heavy topics. And we were taught back in Bible school, way back in the day, uh, that you know if you get your people laughing while their mouth is open, just shove the truth down in it, right? And so they'll be more receptive. So laughter is good. I'm not a good joke teller or anything, but occasionally I get a laugh, maybe even a courtesy laugh here. But a go-to, you know, there's always a go-to uh, that you can use. And one of them was Job's wife. Maybe you've heard your pastor do this. And I did it with absolute no malice. And I'm sure your pastor does too. Like, I, I wasn't making fun. I, I was getting a laugh. And you know how Job's wife comes and, and he's hurting and, and she gives him the advice, curse God and die. And you can deliver that in such a way where you can draw out a laugh. Ha, ha, ha. How about that? You know, how would you like to be married to a woman like that? Ha, ha, great. Uh, and you get a quick laugh at it. Until... I lived in a home with a grieving wife, and those words were not funny. Uh, they weren't delivered funny to Job. I don't think his wife was being mean to him. I think she was emoting in her pain. She suffered just as much or even more than Job did uh, in what she experienced, and she was being in the moment. And yeah, it was hard words to hear, but that's just where she was. That's... I'm sure you get there. It's just where you are. You're not trying to be polished or you're just expressing yourself. And, and I, don't, I don't joke about that anymore. I can tell you that. Absolutely not. So I think God's discipling us, isn't he? Teaching us how to be more careful with our words, to be more careful with our, our feelings, be more careful with our observation, to really pray for the discerning of spirits. Um, so I'm grateful. I mean, I hate the pain. I wish my son was alive. I hate the difficulty surrounding his loss, but um, I, this is where I'm at, and this is what the Lord's doing. All right. Brian in Centennial, Colorado. Brian, welcome to the program. So thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Question, question for you. Um, sorry about your sign off. Thank you. About that, but, uh, you know, question as far as, like, you know, you, uh, I know God's in control of everything. Yes. Um, and you also, I mean, I heard a sermon this morning. And they said that you know, right now, no clouds that you didn't plan on that much milk. So, I guess I wonder is the devil have control right now? I mean, obviously, I, I know the devil offers the nation to people. He. So, your, your phone uh, is cutting up really bad. So, I'm going to answer the question. 
hopefully you're driving into an area that it clears up, but I'm going to answer what it, the way I heard it. Um, if God is good and in control, why does Satan have control of any sort? And the answer to that is that whatever the devil has control over, he is limited by God. So he doesn't have unlimited control. He doesn't have unlimited freedom. He doesn't have unlimited access. Uh, he is a limited, created being. Uh, and, and so whatever control he has or is, is simply, you know, in a very rare place, you don't really see it except, you know, with the book of Job, um, maybe um, the thorn in the flesh was, was, you know, Paul thought it was the devil, uh, was the source of it. So, you, you know, occasionally in the Bible, it makes it, some people try to make it sound like, uh, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but some people try to make it sound like the devil has absolute control. He does not. He is under the authority of God. Now, why God does it, there's, a, you know, there, first of all, I don't know. The Bible doesn't reveal the whys of God. You know, I, I, however, we have evidence, you know, in the Bible of that, that God even uses evil for his purposes. He uses the devil for his purposes. And, and we know in a, theological, uh, in a theological sense, the temptation to do evil gives us the opportunity to love. And to the degree that we're able to resist evil is the degree that we can really increase our love for God. And, you know, the why questions are very hard. Um, you know, the devil wasn't created the devil. He was a perfect angel who chose to rebel. And out of his rebellion, changed the original intent that God had for him. And the devil doesn't have absolute control um, because even in the, the wickedness of anything that the devil may throw our way, any temptation that he may come, um, God is able to overrule that. He's able to use it for his uh, purposes. And I mean, you think of the most sinister act of the devil didn't happen to you and didn't happen to me. Although we might be under the weight of discouragement, difficulty, you know, the devil's attacks, even in, as I'm speaking, that's not the worst. The worst act perpetrated by the devil was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, God's own son. And you can see uh, in a very real way how God can take even the crucifixion of his son, Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, and, and turn it around to bring about the best good that ever took place. The best good that ever took place required the worst bad to be perpetrated on an innocent man. Okay. It's a tricky question, you know, because there's a lot of things in life that we approach God with why. Uh, and for example, as I was mentioning, I didn't mean to, but it's on my mind today uh, with my son passing away and, and everything surrounding that loss. Uh, you, I could come to God and I, I could say, why? And my motive is pure, I think, uh, to, to as pure as it can be. I mean, it's not perfect, but I come, why, God, did you allow that? Why are you allowing this stuff happening right now? Why are you? And, and, and I come with this assumption in my own heart that if he told me why, it would somehow satisfy me. But you know probably as well as I do that God could explain the whole thing to me and it absolutely would not satisfy me because my son's not here. And, and so we wrestle with these things. I don't think it's a sin to wrestle with them at all, not at all. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, I deal with this in the book, uh, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. I deal with this very issue um, that I don't think God's offended. I don't think it's a sin to ask him why. But when we do ask God why, and we're sincere, then we need to be ready to receive his answer as is, which may be silence. It may be I'm working out something far greater. It's It could be a thousand different things. But the if we come to him going, man, the only way I'll ever be satisfied, the only way I'll never be bitter, the only way I'll ever come back to you is if you answer my question, why? No, that, that ain't going to happen. Um, because God has reserved some things to be mysterious so that our response to him will not be... We don't come to God by knowledge. We come to God by faith. Or I think it was Warren Wiersbe, Wiersbe that said, we don't live on explanations. We live by faith. And and so these why questions, no matter what the motive are, are a little tricky um, because we don't know for sure most of the time, and then we just got to piece together to say, okay, all right, that's where I'm at. And it leaves me with, okay, Lord, I'll trust you with the knowledge that I have. <clears throat> okay. Thank you very much for your call. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000. I really do mean that. Thank you guys for calling. You make the show. Without you, there's not much of a show. It's just me and Kevin. And we were even talking about a question before the show that neither of us have any idea what the answer is. So we weren't going to get, if it was just me and Kevin on the show, we weren't going to get very far. I'll tell you that. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let me see here. Let me get back to my call screen. And we're going to go over to Tom in Baltimore, Maryland. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Pastor Ed? Hey, how are you? Good, thanks. Um... Yeah, we spoke. We spoke about a year, maybe a year and a few months ago. Yes, um, we were talking about worship and old school Calvary worship. Yes, and just how sweet it was. And uh, <laughs> I just happened to be going through some uh, YouTube's, and I pulled up you guys. Yes, and I was listening to the most recent messages. Yes, and I saw your worship pastor, and he had. Uh, Decided to go back for a little while. He did. Take a step back into the time machine and uh, just pull out some of that sweet old worship, you know. And I was just, uh, I don't really have a question. It's okay. more just a comment. And uh, Yeah, so here, so, so let's talk about that a little bit, because you bring yeah. out a really good um, observation. Pastor Ian um, has taken things, and I even posted this, you know, simple worship, simple teaching, um, you know, going back in the time machine a little bit. As a matter of fact, when I was listening, I was worshiping that. I, I sit in all three of our service. I love being a part of it. I worship at all services. And and as I was singing some of those songs, it was taking me back. Uh, we used to meet in a school, and these are songs that we sang way back in the day, singing in the school. And he, I know he'll pull some songs out that will actually take me all the way back to my time in California, my home church. And and so it's a really sweet time, nostalgic for many of us. Um, but for a lot of people in our church, they have no idea those. They've never heard those songs before. They're new believers, uh, and they don't know. Pastor Ian has to help them understand because they don't have the nostalgia that maybe you have, that I have, going back. Like I, I think of one sister who uh, was a Lutheran her whole life, and she's a new believer right now. So every song is new to her. Every Bible study is alive to her. 
Um, but it is, and Pastor Ian also has a great, he, he also takes us back. So he was singing, you know, there's a lot of debate today about what song should we sing? Can we sing Hillsong? Uh, can we sing Matt Redman? Well, two of those songs, one of them was from Darlene Check. I don't know if you guys remember her, uh, Shout to the Lord. Um, that was one of the most famous songs in 1998, um, back when we were moving here. You know how I know? I remember it because I was going from Christian bookstore to Christian bookstore here in Colorado looking for the cassette tape um, of that music, and it was sold out everywhere because it was so popular. And I agree with you. There's a there's a sweetness. I'm grateful for Pastor Ian that he goes back because his family are his family was saved in Calvary Chapel. He was raised in a Calvary Chapel. They're missionaries in the Philippines right now. So he just has this large library uh, that he could pull from at any time. And I really was blessed. I could I could hear the church too, even though we had our face coverings on. The church was singing their hearts out, um, and a lot of them learning these songs for the first time. So I agree with you. Right on. I'm wondering maybe maybe there's a way I could get in touch with him and, and tap into that old library his because I remember those songs but I don't remember the names of them you know yeah here's his um, email you ready um, um I don't I don't have anything can I give you my email off, off air no it's probably best that you just do it so let me let me let, okay. let me let me just give you just send it to Ian I A N or you can go to our hmm. website calvaryco.church but that's his email Ian at calvaryco.church. Okay. Goes right to him. Okay, that sounds good. All right, yeah. So, well, you know, I've been seeing your teachers too, and I haven't, I've only heard you on uh, Calvary Live here, and I've always, uh, I've always liked your answers to questions, but I haven't been able to hear any of your teaching, so I've been being blessed by that as well. So, that's a blessing. uh, Keep up the good work that the Lord is uh, having you do for, Everybody, you know, Thank everybody you. around the world, I guess. Yeah, I think I think our Abounding Grace um, teaching spot is somewhere on Hope FM, too. I don't know what time. We got a pretty good time. We used to be on later at night, but I know we're on in the mornings now, I think. Sometime. I'm not sure. But, okay. But you got that connected to like, us through yeah. YouTube. We, got, we, posted, we post our stuff everywhere, so I'm so glad to be able to connect with you and encourage you. And right, I know Ian right. will help you, too. Well, great. I appreciate that. Okay, All bro. Right, Pastor Ed, we'll enjoy your uh, rest of your evening. We're just starting to get a little bit of snow here. I know you guys don't know anything about that out there. Well, definitely not the 23 inches that you guys got. You guys are all—I I have my friends out there, Bill, um, Johnny Zaccio's up in New York, um, my buddy in—and um, where is he? Eddie Panero. I forget exactly where he is. But they're all posting their closing down their churches, 23 inches of snow, and I'm like, mm. 23 inches of snow? That's not much. <laughs> We got 23 centimeters the other day. <laughs> All right, Pastor. See you, man. Well, Bye-bye. Good talking to you, my brother. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, you know, um, we haven't had, I don't want to mess things up, but we haven't had a lot of snow in a while. So they can have it up there. We don't want it. I just want to go, I want to announce publicly, we are donating all of our snow to people that really want it. So we need it up in the mountains so you guys can go skiing. I know Nick Katie was up skiing recently. Yeah, Nate took Nate called a, a ski thing and called it a men's thing. <laughs> I saw that the other day. I was like, come on, Nate. What are you doing up there in Vail? So they had a little men's gathering on the mountain. Of course they did. Um, but we don't want it. You guys can have it. We don't want your snow. We will donate. I will donate all my snow to anybody that wants it. 303 690 
3,000. Where are we? We are on line three, down to Centennial, Colorado. Juan, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. I just had a quick question. Um, in Mark 6, it talks about uh, the disciples uh, basically performing miracles. Yes. Uh, but they weren't baptized with the Holy Spirit yet. Yes. Were they just um, doing miracles under the name of Jesus? Or under what power were they like doing those miracles? That's a really great question. I like that's a very carefully uh, you made a very careful observation of the text, and uh, which lead to really good interpretive questions. So let's let's ask this question a different way first, and we'll just walk through my thinking biblically. Who actually performs miracles? Who? Let's start there. Who performs miracles? Uh, God. God is alone sovereign performing miracles. I'd agree with you. So that when a man, like one of the disciples, either before the baptism of the Holy Spirit or after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, simply becomes a tool in the hand of God to perform that miracle. And God will sovereignly agree or not agree with his purposes in a particular disciple. So they're the mechanism of the act of God. And so they were able to perform miracles because God alone performs miracles, and he chose to use them before and after. And so the agency of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not how miraculous works are conveyed. Miraculous works are conveyed by the sovereign choice of God himself. anyone can be used by God? Yes. Without the Holy Spirit? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, think about the. We even have examples in the Old Testament. Remember, there's that true story of the prophet Balaam. He's uh, heading out, and he's going to go, um, he, he's going, he's disobeying uh, God, and what happens? His donkey starts to talk to him. That's a miraculous thing. There was a miraculous thing where an animal is speaking to a man. So God can even do something, and maybe miracle can be replaced with something, with another word, supernatural, a real supernatural work that glorifies God. Now, of course, the devil can work in the supernatural too. Um, he, can, he can send lying signs and wonders that appear to be or, originated from God, uh, but they're really not. But a true miracle of God, you hit it on the head. God can use anyone. He can, he can use unbelievers to accomplish his purpose. Yeah. You bet. Oh, okay. So basically the Holy Spirit is just... Um, when you're basically baptized with the Holy Spirit, is that's when you receive your gifts, correct? No, you receive your gifts yeah. in the moment you are born again. You oh, receive okay. the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You receive... Uh, that, that would be God living inside of you. You receive eternal life. That means your sins have been forgiven. You're, you, you receive spiritual gifts. Uh, you receive the... Now, you may be asking this from a perspective of this, and that is there are some churches that teach that the evidence of speaking in tongues, uh, or excuse me, the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, and the Bible doesn't teach that. Um, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you are living in the love of God. 
Uh, love is the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit, not the speaking of tongues. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power. It's power to be a witness and to be an evangelist. Uh, and you operate in the gifts, you know, because there's even debate on what is, is there baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe there is. I believe we teach that. But let's just say you're in a, bap- in, a, in a Baptist camp or in a cessationist camp that say, well, there's no such thing as, like, like maybe Billy Graham. Billy Graham would say, I don't believe in the second work of the Holy Spirit, the baptism. But Billy Graham was a man of the Spirit. And even though he didn't see that particular section of the Bible like we do, he was operating in the gifts uh, because he got whatever he was, whatever Billy Graham received, he received it all. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of get hung up on some of the nuances of doctrine, but, you know, the moment a person is born again, he has the fullness of God inside of him. Oh, okay. And I had another quick question. Uh, I've heard from uh, some pastors that you can be possessed by demons after you're born again, and I don't think so, because uh, it says in the Bible that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit once you're born again. Uh, you are absolutely right. Um, I think that a lot, of these, a lot of these questionable teachings can be answered absolutely from the Scriptures, like clear as clear could be. And you'll remember, um, you'll remember there was, I'm going to look it up here, Remember where Paul asked the question, what has dark what fellowship does light have with darkness? Um, none. Uh, he, he gives these these um, contrasts that reveal to you the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you have light inside of you and there's no room for darkness zero no god has no shadow of turning there's no darkness in him and what does he say paul says what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and then even he says in ephesians 5 he says you were once darkness but now you are light and so no i don't i do not believe in any way that a demon can possess a real born again believer he can oppress he can attack, he can plant thoughts in your head, he can lie to you, but he can't get inside of you. Okay. Okay, well, thank you for your answers. You're welcome. Great questions, and you know, I think you're handling the Bible correctly as you're growing. You're, you're studying along, and you're, you, you hear something, you go, wait a minute, I don't think that's true because, and then you quote a scripture. That's... that's it's it, to people listening. It might sound like a simple way of life, but it is the way. You are on the right track, my friend. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, thank you, Pastor. Okay, God bless you, brother. Bye bye. If only we would all default to that. I can't tell you how many times I delve into philosophy, or I delve into logic, or I delve into reason when the Bible couldn't be clearer. And I. I don't you know? I was. I think I don't. I don't know if it was this Sunday where I, I quoted First Corinthians chapter eight. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. I that's from memory because I, I had to memorize that because knowledge can be an idol. And if you're gonna be smart, be smart in the Bible. Well, we're gonna be uh, here tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, The passage of Scripture couldn't be more relevant for the day in which we live, 
And I'm, I've already taught on this, but this is where we are in First Peter, so I'm going to teach on it again from a different angle. But we're going to be here. If you want to hear what the Bible has to say about this, this present generation, um, here's what we're going to be re- reading and then studying. You ready? Here's what I'm going to be. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God. What is the will of God? That you submit to the government. That by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. See, when it comes to submitting to the government, we're citizens of heaven first. And that's how we have to see the lens of it. Yes, before you dismiss it, you should listen, actually, tonight, but before you dismiss it, of course there are times when we obey God rather than man. Of course, yes. However, it's where you draw the line that is going to determine whether you obey God. Because the goal is to you obey God by obeying the government. That's the, that's the teaching And we're in a culture that's made that a dichotomy, and it doesn't have to always be a dichotomy. Even Peter was writing to people under Nero, for goodness sake. Nero! Anyway, we're going to have fun tonight. We're going to pray together. Marie and I are leading prayer uh, together tonight. We're worshiping together. We're studying the Bible together. And then we had a big meeting about Missions March. Oh, it's going to be great. See you tonight. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.